First step number one, unbutton the jeans. Yes. I've actually just done it now mm-hmm. because I feel talking to you is an unbutton the jean type moment. You know, just the You know what, that's the nicest compliment you can give someone. It's like talking to you is like unbuttoning my jeans after a long day. I'm like, yeah. oh. Hello and welcome to the Body Protest. In this podcast, we combine storytelling with science to better understand our relationship with our bodies. I'm Nadia Craddock and I'm a body image researcher. And I'm Honey Ross and I'm a writer. This podcast is brought to you by the Pink Protest. <laughs> Two, three, Hello, hi, body, body protesters. protesters. <laughs> that was we're, yeah. we're back and we're, we mean business. And we're, we're in honest. the same room. <laughs> this is the first time we've been in the same room doing this podcast together since 2019. Is that right? I feel we did something February 2020. We recorded something at your house with Jamie. Yes. The last yeah. episode we yeah. did in person in February 2020. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd just come back from Indonesia. I went to your house. We recorded that off the... And we've got a photo and I look so tired. <laughs> so <laughs> tired. <laughs> but it's great. Yeah, and um, Jamie Windust. Yeah, we could have chatted with Jamie for hours. We continued yeah. to chat for like an hour after with them. Yeah. What a great I, day that was. That, w- that was a great day. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, that was our last like in-person podcast recording. Yeah. And we then have we moved to the medium of Zoom, which everybody loves so much. <laughs> it's just Fantastic. good times all around. Fantastic. We have, I mean, we have, we've seen each other a couple of times. We have seen each other a couple of times. Which has been glorious. Oh. We've done some fun body protest work, which has been very exciting. And we've got more coming, which I think is even more exciting. And we've got lots of fun things coming up as well. We're going to Cheltenham. Yeah. Very fancy. I actually told someone at work and she thought I was, I said, I said, I'm doing an event at Cheltenham and she thought I was, she thought I was a secret horse racer. <laughs> I love I that. that. Jockey Nadia. I know, I know. I've been uh, keeping that one quiet. Yeah, but um, Keeping that on the deal. Uh, there's also the Literary Festival at Cheltenham. It's not just the races. So, Which um, is what we are there for. We're very excited <laughs> to be joining the very exciting literary team. <laughs> That's um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're we're gonna do uh, an event on October the 9th. So please do come if you're in the Cheltenham area. Come check us out because we're gonna be having big chats, big yeah, body big, image chats. Yeah, big body image, body protest chats. It's gonna be it's gonna be glorious. It's gonna be electric. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love it. I love it. But anyway, honey, tell me how are you doing? How are things? I'm good. I feel like I have regressed a little bit into a kind of. I feel like I've regressed slightly to my teenage anxious self. When we're not recording the podcast and I'm not doing stuff that feels more outward facing, like this is the most outward facing thing that I do is this podcast. And like, I'm working on my writing at the moment. I just become, I become like a teenage version of myself and like, yeah, I've just been, I feel like I get quite shy now. It's really odd. Like, I think that is something the pandemic has done to me. I feel like a little little teen and I've like really regressed into like I love my Switch like I've been playing my Switch uh-huh. all the time like I feel like, I feel like Nintendo a Nintendo Switch my right? Nintendo Switch <laughs> I've been playing Zelda on my Nintendo Switch and like completing every single shrine on it and like watching Rick and Morty I've become a teenage boy like I really don't know what's <laughs> happening to me but I'm going with it I'm going yeah. with the flow and I'm enjoying I'm enjoying myself <laughs> Love that. How have you you been, my gorgeous? Um, really well, thank you. I've been enjoying being out and about, being free, and then now seeing people where it's not a catch up. Yes, it's just seeing people and just being out and having a good time. I'm just going to restaurants, eating good food, having good times. We're back. We're back. We're back. I do feel. I do feel. Yes, exactly. I do feel like back into myself. I feel like I. I 
the pandemic for me was very i mean for most people i i feel but like i just felt very disconnected yeah, from myself uh, at most points mm-hmm. throughout whereas now i'm like oh yeah this is it but i have found that i have gone right back to completely overbooking myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> completely you know all how those conversations we had with ourselves about like the work boundaries yeah. and the life balance it's like out the window <laughs> yeah it's so yeah. hard uh, almost always double booked um always and also the planning the planning meticulous planning i want to know what's happening three weeks in advance i'm i've gone right back there but i kind of love that you know i it's, it's nice it's, being booked and busy in that way yeah but it was also quite exhausting i feel like there is so much that goes into just daily scheduling now of like all of the kind of it's not catch-ups but it's like fitting everyone in and it's making it work it's like mm-hmm. yeah I'm... there is there is a logistic component of that for sure but at the moment because i'm still the majority of the time still working from home i still have that mm-hmm. nice cozy Love bit that. so then the balance for me is where i have the working from home and then it's the social fun times that yeah, yeah, need yeah. to be like scheduled and out and busy um i think if if it comes to going back to the office five days a week i think that's going to be a shock to the yeah. system for sure um I hear that. at the moment we're going in one day a week which is amazing it's like great to see people yeah that's a perfect and fun and we have our in-person meetings and that's really nice and much yeah. for meeting people in person than on zoom but it's tiring it's you know like it's a full day it's a full day yeah. i'm on a train at 7 a.m you know it's, it's a... well also you're the only person i know who said they're like happy to get back into wearing jeans Oh yes. and the fact that yeah, like, we did have a conversation on the train seven a.m. in jeans. I'm like, you are superwoman. Okay, in my well, eyes. so but here's the thing about me and jeans. I used to be a full jean person. I used to mm. jeans were part of my uniform all through yeah. my twenties. Like jeans were my uniform. I used to wear lifestyle. them, wear them all the time. And then I changed a couple of dress sizes. My I outgrew my jeans, mm. so all the jeans were then gifted or like uh, passed yeah, on. Yeah, found new homes. So that's all really nice. And then I just went to soft clothes. I went to soft clothes Didn't and flowing. But this is way before the pandemic. Oh, this, this, was, just... this was uh, <laughs> 20, 2014. <laughs> this was 2014. You were, you were in a kind of like a hippie floaty. Yeah. and I, I just, love that. That's I just had that for, for a long time. And the thought of wearing jeans. And I, I, I feel like I had a, a block about going yeah. back to, to wearing jeans. You know, my body had changed and I just... Jeans were a bit of a block for me. But then after that full lockdown period of wearing like joggers the whole time i was like i need to feel like i'm in jeans you know i need to feel like i need i'm held i'm up i'm held i'm up i'm in position yeah it lifts you up yeah i'm in position position. and (laughs) i don't know what it is but yeah and um you know i found the jeans that like suit my 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 body type now i feel comfortable what a feeling i'm really enjoying them um i bought three pairs of the same jeans a gorgeous mom jean I'm yeah, like let's get shout out jeans. to the gorgeous yeah. mom jeans um, three pairs different colours I'm, I'm, and now I'm done I'm happy I'm content I'm so glad I enjoy them I like roll them up a little bit at the bottom I feel Ooh, very trendy you know that's, the, that's trendy. called the bisexual role yeah well you know we're embracing you know, it we're, yeah, we're, good. We're, we're I love it. that yeah I'm, I'm, I'm liking it and then I like when I get home I can then unbutton the jean it's the first stage first oh. step number one unbutton the jean yes I've actually just done it now because I feel talking to you is an unbutton the jean Type moment, you know, just the. You know what? That's the nicest compliment you can give someone. It's like talking to you is like unbuttoning my jeans after a long day. I'm like, yeah. oh, I yeah. Love so you. The, the the top button is undone, and then but then I come home. The button is undone, and then the next step is like you put your like, home clothes on. So I have, mm. and this is uh, pre-pandemic. I would have my work clothes. I would then have my home clothes, and then I have my pajamas. So yes. there's that in between. 
you know what I call them softs yeah. I get home and I go out and put my softs on yeah like and that's like your little soft outfit it's not quite pajamas but it's not quite day clothes yeah it's, it's your softs yes yeah. which we all lived in through the pandemic we lived in softs yeah right so so then yeah going back into some hard harder clothes harder clothing <laughs> I've I've actually enjoyed. I've enjoyed. I I quite like it. It feels quite novel. Like when you put it Ooh. on, you're like, okay, look at me wearing something with you know a seam and a little I, bit and a zip. Okay, zip. I like know. It's, I know. It's, it's different. Like, I, I have a useful <laughs> bag again. Oh, and bags. Who knew? Right? They are good fun. Yeah. So you know that's that's where I'm at. But do you feel? I mean, obviously we're not out of the woods with the pandemic. No. But we've gone through. We've gone through. We've gone through our three lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Touch wood, we don't have another one. But do you feel you have had any reflections or thoughts on um, your relationship with your body and or food over the over the period? I think it's been a really interesting journey. I think mm-hmm. I almost found it easier when it was a bit more extreme in the mm-hmm. pandemic. And I think like I, I did quite well. It was like I've been preparing my whole life for it. Whereas in the kind of, it felt a bit more abstract coming out. And I think like, I've, as I said at the start, you know, I've definitely gotten more in my head. And Mm -hmm. that's one thing that's come from the pandemic is I think my relationship to my body has changed of like, I don't know, maybe not having that feedback from friends of like having that kind of like reassurance ongoing. Not that Mm -hmm. I need constant reassurance. And I, you know, I really know myself and love myself, uh, you know, as I won't stop going on about. But (laughs) it's been interesting to hear old voices in my head and hear those kind of negative thought patterns that I've actively been having to step right. in and stop again for the first time in a long time. And like, I think my relationship to social media changed completely. Mm-hmm. I really went from sharing quite a lot to sharing a lot less. I mean, still my, what I consider a lot less is still a lot for a mm-hmm. lot of people, but like. Is that sharing about yourself or sharing in general? Sharing in general. I think, well, you know, it's a, it's a strange thing to talk about, but like, I think my photos on Instagram started getting picked up a lot more by like mm-hmm. uh, trashy news outlets like the Daily yeah. Mail. Yeah. Doesn't make it fun to post anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, <laughs> it does change the vibe, <laughs> it doesn't it? It the vibe. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I used to love posting photos of my ass. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what? It makes it less fun when I know it's going to end up in the tabloids. It's like, I don't want to share my ass with you, Steve. Like, that's not <laughs> the vibe. <laughs> Yeah. No, I know, exactly. It, I wasn't ever doing it for mm. Steve. So now I'm like, it takes the fun out of it. Like, I think, but to be honest, it's probably good. I think that's maybe growing up for me a bit of going like, you know what? Just because I can doesn't mean I should. And like, I still love being a bit of an exhibitionist, but I think I need to renegotiate where and when that happens. Yeah. And like, that's just something I've been coming to terms with. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting though, because I know from years of knowing you and how you are on social media, how much seeing you has meant for other people on social media I know you've yeah. had a lot of like feedback from that so and I know that's was part of why you did yeah. some of what you were doing but then Stephen now got involved no and it changes and it. it changes it yeah um, and that's the thing I think I've it's complicated I think it just it becomes complicated as soon as it's more people like mm-hmm. I think I always yeah. I had a smaller following and then over the pandemic I got more people following me and it's just like it doesn't feel like the same intimate safe yeah. space I had yeah. and like I think I have to be more careful with what I post. But like, I'm, I'm trying to get past that. I want to be able to post like carefree again. But I just think it, Instagram now feels like a kind of cursed shopping channel. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, think, <laughs> I, I, I feel that. And I think, I think that's, that's it. And like, once you've watched, um, there was that Netflix documentary 
was it the social issue yeah social uh, dilemma, so, social dilemma. Yes. And so once you've seen stuff like that and you're just like the reality of what social media really is and it does change things for you regardless of the size of your platform it is about money it is a it, capitalist venture it <laughs> like, really that's, is. What it is. that's what it is and i think yes you can still have your safe corners of it um that are cozy and nice and it still has a purpose in terms of awareness and i don't know fun expression and and things like that but I think you do need to have back of mind yeah. what um, what these platforms are really used for on well, a bigger scale. Thing. I think when I was younger, my mission was always like, how can we blend like the most, how can I blend this social media platform with mm-hmm. like being your most authentic self? Like my, my vision for a perfect world was everyone actually just being honest about how they felt about mm-hmm. themselves and the world on social media. That I don't think is ever possible. Mm-hmm. One, because people don't want it to be. And two, I think because like you said it's a capitalistic venture so i think it's really it's not correct for that to be blended with authenticity because those things don't go together yes and i think what's really interesting is that because of social media businesses have changed completely in terms of how they represent people because they have seen people in different bodies who look different who have amassed huge followings who mm-hmm. have a lot of power and sway and then suddenly we have seen a shift in how businesses choose to represent people and speak to people, communicate with people. And it's not just traditional models anymore. And when I say traditional models, I'm kind of thinking of those like very idolised stereotype models that we yeah, were so used to standard. being fed in the noughties. But with the growing popularity of social media and the influence social media has and, and people on social media, I think it has shifted what brands do and who those models are and those models aren't that stereotypical beauty standard anymore yeah we we do see more diversity and i think a big part of that i don't think that it's the Mm. only part but a big part of that is social media because they can use the influence design is is a huge part of marketing now it's a huge part of advertising completely well i actually think i mean i do really want to ask you about how Mm -hmm. you feel that the pandemic and this experience has changed your relationship to your Mm -hmm. body but I think this leads quite nicely into mm. the conversation we've been having about this. I coined the term fat fishing. I've told you this. Yeah, yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. So, and I actually think, and this is me being honest, I think I'm I'm not part of the problem, but I have to be very aware of the fact that I'm capable of being part of this problem. And I think it's brands trying to win the praise and the accolades of being an inclusive brand, but they're hiring the smallest plus size person they can find, or in some occasions hiring a straight size model and padding her, that does happen. Mm. Uh, But trying to take the claim of being a fully inclusive brand, but actually ending up only going to a size 20, which is also not inclusive. Like I can't remember, I think it's probably, you know, we talk about her every episode, Virgie saying, if you're Mm -hmm. not trying to go to a size 30, you're actually not inclusive brand. Also not the best at sizes, but I know so in terms of thinking about what, Mm. what inclusive brands are in terms of yeah. sizing or what's inclusive sizing, yeah. I feel like the best example that I have seen of it is Universal Standard. Yeah. I think they do, and, and this is US sizing, but they do from double zero to forty. Yeah, um, And what I really like about that is that we're going. It's not just a catered for plus size. It is. Yeah. It's the whole spectrum. It's everybody. And then they have amazing things on their website. From you see different size models so you see the fit what it's going to look like on your body you've got that huge range of sizing and i think that they're kind of leading the way in that but then if we think of inclusive sizing in the uk i think places like asos will probably go up to a 24 
Um, ASOS is actually pretty good yeah. I will say like ASOS is one of the places I've shopped consistently my yeah. whole life I know that's not great because fast fashion but I'm fat where would you have me shop like genuinely message me and I will change mm-hmm. my ways um, but they go up to they go up to a 30 in a lot okay. of areas okay. especially in their own brands I think it's when they're stocking other people's stuff right. they don't but it's harder and I think you know what it's, it's a complicated issue as well with that's a whole other conversation of like plus size clothing and fast, fast fashion. fashion because it's like I've had people be like awful that you've got this dress from xyz and i'll go one everything i get i keep for 10 years i I have i've got outfits that i've still had from when i was 14 like i genuinely don't throw anything away because as a plus size person you just don't you keep things forever and you keep them in great condition but it's that thing of like most places that do a really good size range cost a fucking fortune it's really like ethical plus size clothing is so so overpriced or not overpriced it's probably actually what most clothes should cost Mm. and like to be knowing that everyone is getting paid at every level of the process but it's like you know i love this brand called fashion brand company they go up to a size 30 they're incredible so expensive ridiculously expensive and it's like that's the kind of thing you'd buy one piece a year and keep it for absolutely ever but that's not practical if you're needing to have a wardrobe and turn up to things and you want to look nice everybody wants to look nice and that's valid and okay yeah that's completely it i keep thinking of elaine is it elaine fisher Mm. which again is I think pretty inclusive for sizing, ethical brand, but it's not cheap. No. It is. I think there's so much, there's so many different layers to this conversation in terms of what does it mean to be an inclusive fashion brand? Because yes, we can talk about size inclusivity. And it's interesting that we mentioned Jamie at the top of the show yeah. because I really remember Jamie talking about uh, gender inclusive clothing. So actually mm-hmm. scrapping the binary from women's clothes, men's clothes, and just having clothes, <laughs> have a clothes section. Something that I had not really thought about in a meaningful way before that conversation with them apart from maybe with children's clothing you know when you have pink clothes and like blue clothes I think I thought thought about it in that way and making me think about what I used to wear as a kid my like secondhand yellow dungarees were a classic yeah I quite Um, also something we'd both wear now yeah 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 (laughs) that's it that's it I used to get teased for like having like not cool clothing and I was like actually I look back at pictures of myself I was like I was dressed ahead of my time I know I know I I know ahead of my time but I think yeah but in terms of like layers to this conversation we've got gender inclusive clothing Mm -hmm. we've also got clothing for people with different abilities yeah and so I was have been in some really interesting conversations with people who are talking about how do you because you have to know how to design for different types of yeah. bodies right so and this also applies to different size bodies but if you have different ability bodies mm-hmm. so if you live in a uh, if you're a wheelchair user for example i remember someone saying about you need to have clothes that are comfortable to be in a sitting position yeah and not all clothes are like my jeans for example exactly and so i thought that was a really interesting layer that i really don't have much knowledge on at all again i think that all comes back to then the privileges, my body and habits in terms mm. of being like straight size, able-bodied, etc. But um, it's all very interesting. And then kind of thinking then from that brand perspective, it's it's complicated. It's not easy. It's no. like this is not easy. And I think one of the things I think about a lot when we're talking about this whole conversation about inclusive brands is the minute you have that label inclusive, mm-hmm. it opens you up for criticism, which is not something I want to quash, but no. also I think we need to be mindful and cognizant of the brands who are not doing anything. Completely. And they, they kind of get away with murder because they're not claiming to be anything, so therefore they don't get any criticism. Well, this is the thing of like Brandy Melville 
like, I think, like, not to shit on a brand, I'm like, I don't want to get sued, I don't know what the legality of that is, but, like, they have been one-size-fits-all forever, and I think there's, like, really problematic stuff happening behind the scenes. No one's calling Brandy out, but it's, like, because they're not trying to be inclusive, so they kind of slip under the radar, whereas the minute a brand puts themselves out there in that way, it opens them up to a world of accountability, mm. which is also a, a good thing, but it makes it complicated. It's like you said, people aren't holding other brands accountable if they're not even making that claim. And that's where we need to kind of change on that level. Yeah, and it, for me, it really mirrors some of those conversations that we have with like the, the word feminist, right? Yes. Like feminist brands. Have you heard of femvertising? No, I haven't. Please, please elaborate. <laughs> so it's this whole, I think it's just like an academic term for female empowerment through advertising. So it's it's your whole girl boss, girls can do yeah. everything. This girl can. And a, yeah, and a <laughs> way... It's lovely. Like, yeah. I feel... Because it's like... Well, yeah. that's that, that's it. Because it's it's not terrible. It's not terrible. Yeah. But I think then you have to look what's behind the curtain with it's some of those things. Yeah. So um, people can turn this like woke washing. There's parallels with greenwashing, for example. With, what with, was the H&M being like, we're, we're helping guys. And it's like, are oh, you? Yeah. Yeah, but it, and it's it's hard because sometimes the the me- you agree with the message and that's part of the the purpose of it, right? Because it's all about social purpose and sometimes you agree with the message, but then you then are then looking for consistency throughout everything that brand yeah. does. So if they're doing that femvertising, if they're doing if they're talking about female empowerment through their ad campaigns, is their female empowerment embedded within their yeah. infrastructure of the company like you know on every level are they actually backing the message that they're putting forward yeah so and and in many ways that's a good thing because it does make you as consumers now we do have all of that information at our Completely. fingertips so we can look and then you can push brands to be more accountable and be better so i i don't think it's a bad thing at all but it is interesting when you then have other companies who don't have any kind of claim and don't yeah and kind of get away with everything and with um there's this piece have you uh read Otega Uragba's new book let's talk about money no I haven't but I love Otega amazing she I'm so sad she's finished it she had a podcast called in good company and it's it was one of my favorites you were telling so, me about it so good such a good interviewer and um but yeah she's she's wrapped that up now but I do love it so in her book in let's talk about money she talks about the wing and and obviously there are huge so much you can go into with with that but she looks at it in terms of yes problematic but there are a number of other like private working spaces or members clubs that didn't come under the same scrutiny because they don't advertise themselves as a feminist or any kind of social purpose type company or organization so yeah. of course then um the minute there is that label you are going to interrogate it more yeah. and i think we've gone a little off topic but i think no but it's true though i think it's like i mean to be honest it's what's happening in general with like us on the left isn't it of like we hold ourselves to a higher standard when actually in general we're more unified and we could be directing our attention to people who aren't even on the same side as us yeah and actually they're the a black feminist writer called Loretta Ross, Loretta mm. J. Ross, who talks about calling out, calling in in the most beautifully articulate way. I think I, I love can, that I, term as well. Calling out, y- calling in. Is yeah. Brilliant. Uh, well, I think her some of the work that she's done is really about calling in. She does. She compares and contrasts the two, but really advocates for more calling in yeah. as opposed to just calling out. Yeah. Um, we can link in the show notes, but it's really powerful, a really powerful way of communicating mm. and really is about that message of actually you have more in common and 
let's look at the the common yeah. themes and how we can connect rather than kind of trying to work out different ways of putting each other down to be like i'm the most enlightened the yeah. most woke the most uh, and therefore you know you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong because yes in certain issues you might know something about something but are you hitting all those domains and actually yeah. let's see how we we pull each other up so everyone is moving towards a common goal more than Completely. just and she articulates it in in wonderful ways there's some good podcasts she's on as well really talking it through she's got a course uh, I think there's a book coming out if it's not out already but how to agitate for change in a way that actually realizes that change happening yeah. rather than just saying you're terrible you're terrible you're terrible well, because you're not doing enough you're not doing enough so I think bringing us back to our inclusive fashion brands to can and I think this relates all to cancel culture and stuff Absolutely. should we just cancel all these brands because they've gone up to a size 20 and yeah. they've not gone further but actually it's going to a size 20 better than not the average even trying at all yeah, yeah it's a step to a size 20 is a step in the right direction so I guess it's worth celebrating that achievement but then it's yeah it's complicated isn't it yeah it's complicated and I also again say this as someone who's straight size so I don't have an issue of finding anything that fits me when I go into a shop so I also want to put that out there in terms of having this conversation it's much easier for me to to be like oh yeah this is wonderful because it's more inclusive where it's it's some, but I think it's one of those things where it should be something that does affect me, and I should want to shop in somewhere that does have clothes that fit my friends of different yeah. sizes. Well, that's something I've even been trying to face. Of like, as a plus size woman, I benefit from being on the smaller end of plus size, and I can shop at the places that only go up to a twenty. I mm. fluctuate between sixteen and twenty, like I always have, and it's like I, I still want to support those places, but it's actually like is it now about directing my focus to sporting places that are all inclusive? But it's like all of the things we've already discussed. It's money. It's, you know, it's the nuance of all of these situations. Well, it, but it does come back to money. So I think as consumers, yeah. if we if we say, no, we actually do want you to go up to these sizes, uh, well, like there's, you're yeah. leaving money at the table if you're not, if, if those brands are not yeah. extending their size range. That's but the I language think, they understand as yes, well. Though I think there is a difference and speaking to a lot of people within fashion, I think there is that different particularly when you have like your hawk couture and like your very high-end yeah. fashion which want to be completely exclusive so they have like no interest in exactly. <laughs> they're like no this is this is what we do and how we do it yeah. and that's it i think it's it there is a an easier opening in in like high street fashion because they do yeah. well it's a paying market yes and people just want it's a business and yeah you know as much as the fact is like businesses don't actually care i think we have to remember that it's like a business is a business i'm sure there are people within the business who do yes, care yeah so i think fight that's... but brands a brand is not physically capable of caring because it is a brand yeah and Very... i think as you say that it's there are people i i do believe there are pe- people within brands who do really care but because i completely uh, there agree are people all we've wearing met clothes, them right? we know like, them yes, yes. yes there are people all wearing clothes and i think what's interesting again speaking to a lot of people in fashion about some of these issues is you need the right people in the brand and I think this comes back to lots of different things in in, with conversations about tv and um film and lots of different industries but within fashion you need designers who know how to cater to larger size bodies so then Mm -hmm. that also goes back to when you're in design school or fashion school or whatever are you having instruction about how to design clothes for different size bodies or 
or, are, or, or different, yeah. are they different bodies or that? are they just working to that one single mould mm. which actually is I think the norm you're working to one mould you kind of yeah. learn about proportions that are not realistic proportions yeah you learn about proportions and then scale them up from like yes. a very small size whereas actually there are brands like snag tights mm-hmm. and loud bodies mm-hmm. that have now been working on expanding and like I think have actually pushed forward that kind of process of um it's not just scaled up from a a thin person's measurements it's actually like i think snag tights did their they base their measurements all off of like a size 20 and scaled down like for everybody it's really different it's a completely different process and yeah well i think yeah i think that's it and i remember speaking to like a pattern cutter and they said that's completely different whereas you can't just scale up you need different patterns to work with different bodies and i think that does involve extra layers for that business but for sure well no and i think there's the problem is as well as when you expand your range you're using more fabric that's always the argument isn't it it's like with plus size clothes you're using more fabric and so they have to charge more or company like layered bodies ups the price of absolutely everything to make it fair uh-huh. like yeah. but it's you know, and, and that, I guess, is one of the ways of making it doable, but it's still, like, again, an expensive brand. And I've seen... Loud Bodies is actually one of those brands where I'm like, oh, no, you really care. It seems to be run by this very passionate person who was, like, just trying to fight the good fight from the inside. And they're, like, constantly posting stories about... I mean, they posted these stories about how they had gone to a pattern cutter and been like, we want to go up to a size, like, 30... We want to go up to a size 40. They were trying to expand to a 40. And the pattern cutter had been, like, really fat phobic and had been like no this is disgusting like i can't make it work i can't do it and they had been just devastated and really sad about the, and but they they've now made it work and found a way to do it mm-hmm. but now they're taking on this incredible battle of trying to make affordable plus size really inclusive clothing mm-hmm. and seeing if that's doable and like seeing this process of this woman documenting like scaling back patterns making things more simple mm-hmm. so it can be more affordable but it's like there are so many sacrifices, especially with small businesses, of trying to become an inclusive brand. Right. Thinking back to Virgin, what you're saying, where that brand, and I can't remember what the brand was, but making that choice of, like, actually, because they were a smaller business, perhaps that they went bigger rather than, and actually yeah. lost some of their smaller sizes. Mm-hmm. Because they were like, this this smaller size range has been catered to already. Um, yeah. Let's expand this way. So that's a decision that someone's making, right? So... I think that's really interesting. I think we definitely need to speak to someone who's working in fashion to really take us through all of these different things. For sure. I think it's it's super interesting and important and it's like understanding all these different layers and nuances and I think it's perhaps too simplistic to say that the fashion industry is fat phobic. I think it is, but I think society is. But also fashion does lead the way. I think in terms of culture, I think mm. fashion has huge sway and influence. So if we can have... And it's... I remember seeing... And I don't know who to credit for this but I remember seeing because I think so much of fashion is about trends and I think we had this huge trend of having more inclusive fashion and now that's kind of gone we had this like peak and then it's we've moved on um Mm -hmm. and so it again it's kind of always keeping that pressure there yeah Um, well especially with like the early 2000s coming back in fashion and I think that's been a source of anxiety for a lot of people mm. especially like you know we've seen the memes about low-rise dreams like we've you know we've not been living under a rock but like and I I love early 2000s fashion but I'm also quite fearless in how I dress and I understand that like tracksuits coming okay this is something I've been thinking a lot about actually of as a fat woman the level of performance you have to do to look air quotes put together is so much more and I think 
you know, you'll see a photo of like Bella Hadid mm-hmm. wearing like, I was going to say a burlap sack and I was like, that's really mean. But like wearing like something very casual, just, mm-hmm. you know, a pair yeah. of tracksuits and, effort- and a white t-shirt and a pair of jeans. And they're like, it's effortless, stylish, a yeah. star. If, if someone saw me wearing that, they'd be like, is she okay? Is she yeah, all right? Yeah. Not necessarily, I think I'm trying to change that attitude, but like, I think that has always been my perception of like, well, I think that was what scared me about even growing up in the early 2000s of when I put on a tracksuit, it looked like I'd really like had a bad day rather than looking like Paris Hilton. I completely hear that. And I think then you've got really interesting intersection with race because I really remember a conversation and I must have been about 15, but I was um, at a dance event and someone said, and this woman was a little bit older, but she was like, the Danes, the Danes always look so elegant. And mm-hmm. basically, if you're, because I mean, I was very thin, but like it, it was there was something also about being like blonde and tall, yeah, thin, white, and blonde. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're always yeah. put together and effortless um, and chic. Yeah, yeah, will always look good. They will always look good, and it was very interesting. And you're like, to me oh, that's interesting. Like, oh. It's like, do they look good or are they just thin, white, yeah, blonde? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, I think that's an it. Well, think all of those memes of like, do they look good? Is that or are a they fit? just thin? Yeah. Is that a fit or is, is that person just thin? Are, are they, they serving a, face yeah. or are they just thin? Yeah, Mikey Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> credit, credit there. Is credit, that credit where credit's due. Uh, always something to reflect on. It's always something to think about. Let's come back to the original question that I would love to hear. How has the pandemic affected your relationship with your body? Has Have you had thoughts, musings on it? Oh, yeah. Um... I mean, I think the jeans were the big moment for me. Mm. Uh, we love discussed the jeans. <laughs> <laughs> We've discussed that. Um, I don't think it's changed my relationship with my body so much with because I feel like, like body, yeah, yeah, because I I feel like my relationship with my body has been quite consistent mm. of of recent years, and and partly probably because my body stays very very much the same over yeah. recent years. So I think that's probably a big piece to it i think with food has been interesting obviously i have had a very complicated relationship with food (laughs) over the years and i think it's been interesting for me to see how i reacted at different stages of the pandemic so Mm. i think at the beginning i was like most people was very anxious when i'm very anxious find it very difficult to eat so that was a a thing at the beginning and then that in itself freaked me out because i was like oh oh i yeah i'm going kind of almost inadvertently going into old patterns Mm. not not intentionally but just out of anxiety and actually what i've noticed about myself with food is that when i'm in any kind of heightened state and that could be anxiety for sure but then it also could be if i'm nervous or if i'm very excited so if (laughs) if i'm very excited food is like i find very it's not um i find it difficult to eat but then i'm i'm not interested you're not in even it thinking same, about it no, yeah it's I not understand but that. i mean i think that's very primitive right because I think if you're in normal. like if you're yeah to, yeah i think it's any because you're, state you're like oh no i can't even think in, about that right yeah now. well you're if you're in that flight of right mode you're like yeah. the last thing you're like gonna do is like, i'm gonna eat a balanced meal yeah exactly <laughs> with a knife and fork yeah you know, it's, it's like not, our lizard brain being like run mama like it's yeah. like it's not time to sit down and eat a snack like but but that's it but i really noticed about myself but then got a bit freaked out at the beginning because then I was like I really am not eating okay and I was like I can't yeah. we're not we're not going we're not like I have nightmares about having relapse and I was just like that's not no, what we're cool. like we're definitely not doing that and then went to a very like methodical three meals two snacks in a very like programmatic way but it I needed it and I was like actually very proud that I did that for myself I was like you know what we, we were here then kind of I think her things were dragging out 
got into like a very like comfort eating stage which you know no judgment towards but it just was I think there is something about that where it can feel physically and emotionally uncomfortable yeah well also I Um, think the first day of a comfort eating phase is always amazing and like I'm really doing this to nourish my soul and then like a week into it you're like okay (laughs) yeah you just don't you just don't feel good and that was kind of interesting for me and, and how to kind of move through that without like judgment yeah move through it compassionately um, with yeah. yourself and but what's been interesting then as soon as things have like kind of i've got back into it more of a routine and because i was living on my own mm. as well i think that was a big piece of it because then you're like i just don't even know what's and also yeah. someone who has had such a disordered relationship with food it's very hard for me sometimes to know like what is what is normal eating i don't know no, I, I don't know i don't know um and there's something about the removal of the feedback of having eating yeah. meals with people regularly i think it made it even harder to think of what's a balanced meal what's normal to eat what's am i eating at a normal time and i also think it's interesting you talk about implementing the three meals a day of like especially because we've talked so much about intuitive eating mm-hmm it was important to enforce that of like, we need to eat regimentedly throughout the day, but it's like, it's hard to then break out of that and go back to intuitive eating. And like, I've been finding like, I was like, I felt disconnected from my body because I'd implemented three meals a day, which is something that I had stopped doing. Because I was like, that was just a number made up by someone who needs three meals a day. Well, I think that's it. And it it is really interesting because I have really struggled with intuitive eating. I'm fully on board with the concept, but, like I don't I, I think it's and I it's, hard. It's, it's really about trust as well. And I think yeah. for me being relatively regimented but also with an element of flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like anyone in eating sort of recovery is like, oh, the big thing is to be flexible. And I think there is there was something about I was although I was eating my three meals a day and my snacks and whatever and it was it was great, but very samey. Yeah. So then when you're coming out of it, you're like, oh, there are other foods. And as that time has gone on, it's been, like, enjoyable again. Yeah. Being like, oh, yeah, no, this is this is fun. And I'm, like, enjoying, like, eat, eating out and eating at other people's houses. Sure. And, when you, know, you can so find joy in really, food again. Yes. Whereas I think the joy came out quite a lot for me with the pandemic because it was you know, a lot of eating on my own. That's where I was really getting in my head. Not really with my body, but getting in my head with with food and then also because mm. I you know was trying to still like keep on top of work yeah. and everything and it was like that was all a bit weird but you know we've moved through it we moved um, I think it's that thing of all the joy was sapped out of like cooking like any yeah. like any meditative fun or like the fun you might have had like prepping an exciting meal it was like after day 200 you're like it's not fun anymore <laughs> like and it's like it's hard to find that um release in it and it's like it's nice to be having that like to be able to go to restaurants again, to be able to experience, like, go to a friend's house and have them cook for you, even. Yes. Just yes. to so have that have variety. That, have that, have birthday cake with someone. Yeah, oh, my it was God. Like, yeah. That was just, like, such a treat. Because I think, again, it wasn't that I wasn't eating any of these foods through the pandemic. No. But, like, you know, there are definitely fun foods involved. But, but it's not when the same. There's no, when there's not, like, the social component, it loses its edge. Yeah, well, I became really obsessed with this. I think I maybe told you this, but I became really obsessed with this very specific Korean, like noodle dish called topoki uh-huh. which is like like it got like a kind of big gelatinous like rice thing in it it's really good but like i i think i saw someone make it on tiktok and was like i need to learn how to make this yeah. and then started making it and i made it all the fucking time and by by the end of the couple of weeks i was just so sick of it and it was like it was a fun food like it could yeah. not have been more fun it was bright red it was full of gochujang it was delicious <laughs> But by the end of it, I was like, I'm no, sick of my can't. cooking. I can't we have can't, it again. I'm like, can't. take this delicious, exciting meal away from me. I can't do it. But it's like, 
I think that's just, you know, that was just the time. It was, it really was. But um, I actually would really like to try it. So when you're ready to go back into that cycle... <laughs> I am um... ready. I think I'm getting there. <laughs> Honestly, my my poor housemate, my childhood best friend, Lulu, was always like, honey, like, not again. And she was like... And it gave me, like, a really upset stomach. I'm like, quite it was a weird cycle, guys. It was weird. It was a weird time. <laughs> Wait, before we move on, we have to share like, the most amazing thing we made when we went on holiday together. The crumble. Oh, my goodness. That's like weird. I feel like we made some like good things. We made so like... many good meals. We, we, we went on a body protest holiday and Nadia suggested the most inspired thing. We truly lived our best cottagecore fantasy and we were like foraging for berries in the woods. But tell, tell. But, but it, was, it was a perfect time because the blackberries, what I'm really struggling with blackberries is that they are no longer late September. Mm. They are August. It's they so are weird. an August fruit. Yeah. Um, so it was August and yeah. they were ripe for the picking. They were so abundant. I was just, we just, we picked masses I mean, yeah. we, I mean I think we were both having a bit of a purplish tinge by the end <laughs> yeah. but we we made a blackberry and pear because mm. there were the there were some pear trees so we got some pears blackberry and pear crumble and it was delicious and in the crumble we had ginger nuts it was the Game best changer. thing yeah Game ginger changer. biscuits mashed up ginger biscuits mixed into the crumble and it was like and then Nadia picked egg. like a stunning vanilla ice cream oh yeah it, it has to be so Vanilla ice cream is my absolute number one fave, which... Nothing wrong with doing I, vanilla. I can't, I won't hear anything about it. No. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> won't hear anything about it. There's I nothing wrong it. with it. I, I really like it. it. It has to be a high quality vanilla, don't get me wrong. Mm. It can't, I'm not... No, you're not amazing like a, vanilla. Like, it has to be proper. It has to be, you know, I, I, want, I want to see a little bit of a pod action. Yeah, give me a vanilla pod and I'm there and, every um, day. really happy. I'm really happy. Um, oh, God. I think I I got really into a pistachio ice cream. I love a bit of a pistachio. Yeah, I do like, I, yeah, and a pistachio gelato. And actually a friend, mm. uh, an Italian friend said, when you're trying out a new gelato place for the first time, you have to try the pistachio first, and then you know whether the place is good yeah. or not. True words uh, are never so spoken. Catty for for teaching me that because that's what I do every time now. Okay, that's good to know. When you're trying out your new uh, gelato spot, don't yeah. forget to get a scoop of that pistachio so you can review yeah. brutally. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you know whether you want to go back. You know if it's worth going to. Okay, and with that, I think what glorious. What a glorious catch-up. It feels yeah, like saying catch-up because we're, like, we're not catching up anymore. No. But. Oh, no this, this is fun. We have an amazing season coming up, but it's going to be ready when it's ready because we are busy, busy ladies. We are busy ladies who want to make it... Well, we care about this show so much and we just want to make it the best it can be. And that takes time. Hard work takes time and we're putting the work in because we care about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so sincere. sincere. <laughs> insincere because it's very sincere <laughs> i love it. it it is sincere from the bottoms of our hearts but also we we, we just don't want to rush we don't, don't want to rush, rush. It's, so it's coming it's gonna be juicy it's gonna be fantastic it's coming and if you want us a little bit earlier come to cheltenham come to cheltenham and visit us and say hello but yeah you're gonna laugh you're gonna cry and you're gonna think <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. And with that, thank you for listening to The Body Protest. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to The Body Protest. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode and it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe, rate and review. You can follow Honey on Instagram at honeykinney and you can follow Nadia at nadia.craddock. This podcast is produced and edited by the glorious Daisy Grant and it's brought to you by the Pink Protest Podcast Network.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.